Welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. My name's Wendy, and this podcast will help you invest in houses of multiple occupation. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Wendy Weekly. And uh, today, Thursday, the 19th of November, we've got a very special guest on the show. I'm really, really excited about this one uh, because, you know, it's great to interview people who run businesses that are related to HMOs, but it's even better to interview people who are actually doing HMOs, who actually have a portfolio, who've invested their time, their money, their knowledge and their skills in building a portfolio. And the person I have on today's interview is just such a person. He's James Stevens from Southampton, but actually invests in other parts of the world, which we're going to tell you all about in a moment. And uh, James and I kind of connected through the Ultimate HMO Success System group. But I was really keeping an eye on what he was doing. I was a bit nosy, (laughs) probably stalking him from afar. Um, And I invited him to come on today because I think actually when you get to see what real people are doing with real buildings it's so inspirational so james a very very big welcome to you onto the show today thank you for having me yeah pleasure to be here so james just let's uh, kind of take a few steps back first of all tell us a little bit about how you got into property and uh, you know what what kind of started you thinking about investing in property uh an accident well by accident got me into property uh so it originally started i've got a cgi company so you know i've been working day in day out with um um, architects and other developers for years um and then 2013 we had the opportunity to self-build our own house me and my wife um and uh being the kind of you know how hard can it be kind of guy that i am i just thought well how hard can it be to build a house you know everyone does it so uh, we ended up doing a self-build which was like the first thing really outside of you know the cgi work that i'd ever done on a building site um and then so we cracked that out in 2013 then um soon after that um a fantastic commercial property in southampton came up for auction um and for the space you know it's right next to the um the state the football stadium in southampton Uh, and for the price it was on for it's an absolute steal so i said to my wife well well my wife's a dancing teacher with a you know now with a dancing school but i said to her you know, do you fancy doing this as a as a massive dancing school? And she was like, yeah, OK. <laughs> and I was like, well, how hard can it be to refurbish a, a 400 square meter commercial space like as you do? So, like, yeah. So we, um, we, we bought that auction for like an absolute steal. And the reason it was a steal is because it had four rejected plannings to convert into residential using uh, PD, permitted development. Um, so, but we weren't using it for that at all. We were going to continue to use it as community space. So the council were like, yeah, fantastic. We love it. Yeah, that's fine. Don't worry. We'll, we'll put that through. Um, so there was basically no one bidding on it. We picked it up for peanuts for what it was um, and then did a six month conversion on it. Um, and then, yeah, and then that kind of started, you know, the first two projects were effectively for ourselves, not for profit, not for anything other than for ourselves. Um, and then I kind of thought, you know obviously years of being interested in property i thought well you know let's let's do some flips and do other bits and bobs right okay so so you really got started because you had to kind of learn those skills to do what you want to do which is build your own house and also develop a business uh, studio for your wife 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, so you weren't thinking at that stage it was going to be a kind of income producing asset long term? No, 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 not at all. Um, it was it was just born out of necessity. We needed a house. We built a house. You know, she needed to to expand her business and have her own premises. And we we did that. That's exactly how it started. Amazing. Amazing. That's absolutely brilliant. So that was how long ago? So that was all 2013 that kicked off. And uh, the commercial unit was 2015. Um, and then ever since then, I've, you know, it's just been snowballing from there. So whereabouts do you invest, um, James? So I'm based down near Southampton. I'm between Winchester, Southampton and Portsmouth. So, you know, any of those cities, uh, my business partner, Martin, is based in uh, Somerset. So we cover Somerset and, and, and South Wales where he operates. So he's operated in South Wales and mainly Swansea for you know many years now. So when you first started thinking about property as an investment, what was it that triggered that process? Um, well, actually thinking, let's monetize this and let's 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 go on. Um, I, I guess, you know, we saw other people doing well out of it um, and, you know, I picked up the skills to do it. So I kind of thought, well, you know, let's let's give it a go and see what happens. Um, and that's kind of and then because the margins down here are very difficult to work with. There's, there's, there's a lot of competition down here, very little opportunity. Um, we ended up kind of pushing further and further and, and, you know, moving now to South Wales where there's still lots of opportunity in the right place. You look in the right places, there's still plenty of opportunity. So did, when you first started, did you start off doing HMOs or were you doing commercial conversions? You obviously had an experience of doing lots of different types of strategy, flips you mentioned as well. What was yeah. it that you first started doing? Uh, so it's flips we first started doing and at the same time trying to plug away relentlessly assisted sales to uh, to local agents, which just look, they just look at you. Well, the thing with assisted sales, you either look at two, they either look at you like you've got no money and it's you're, you you know you're like part of the rent to rent group you know the gang of people who try to start something with no money um or they look at you like you know you're a con artist or something but i was you know for me that 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 concept worked brilliantly because you weren't paying 250 grand for the house and then paying stamp duty bridging finance and whacking 50 grand straight on top just for all of that before you've done any work so to me it was it was brilliant but <laughs> failed failed for years to sell that that concept to state agents it's only recently going direct to vendor that we've really started to pick pick that side of things up um so yeah and and how did you learn your your strategies how did you learn where to do all of this internet free free like you know i didn't do any expensive training or anything like that plenty of books plenty of videos um you know speaking to other people yeah yeah and then and then really just knuckling down and you've got to make it your life you know it's 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 intense um but yeah you've, you've got to be on it 24 7 really to to find the opportunities and, and make it happen interesting that's really interesting so you're the kind of person who's who understands pretty quickly that actually implementing the what you're learning is the key to real learning isn't it yeah, yeah, and I learned the uh, the hard way and learned some amazing lessons by learning the hard way. Is on my first two flips, I lost money. Um, so on the first two, I lost like thirty thousand between them. But Ooh. but even at the time, I was like, well, you know, 
not you're never going to make those same mistakes again and it's very difficult i find to teach people mistakes if you've never made them yourself so i, I find a lot of people who've made mistakes are a lot more hard-nosed and a lot more kind of wary of the pitfalls rather than just hearing it in theory uh but ever since then it's been absolutely fine and you know we've only gone on and you know made money since then but uh yeah it just goes to show that it's not it's not all roses and it's not easy um and even even when you've got experience doing it doesn't mean you can always translate into suddenly making money so at what point did you decide to give up your job or, or, or in fact do you still run your your cgi business is that still continuing yeah yeah i've still got the cgi business um and uh yeah, I mean, I don't sort of do the day-to-day -day so much nowadays, but that's still running in the background because we still have so many um, clients, you know, other developers and uh, architects that I work with and stuff. So it's 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 all you know, it's all part of the same network. Effectively, it's just a lateral step from going doing the CGIs to doing the builds themselves. Okay, that's brilliant. So so you know, you've obviously demonstrated how it's possible to have multiple streams of income. So you 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 had your business, you your wife's obviously a businesswoman as well with her dance business, although presumably at the moment there's no tapping no. going on. <laughs> no, just a lot of sighing and being like, oh, oh. Yes. lots of frustration, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> Quite a few high kicks in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so what, in terms of what you're doing at the moment, James, what are you up to? How many how many deals have you got on the go? What projects are you working on right now? So we've got loads on the go at the moment. So down here, Hampshire, we've got uh, a couple of planning uplift um, things in the in the pipeline. Uh, well, they're in planning, so they're nearly done. But, you know, the nitrates issue down here is a pain in the bum at the moment. So getting actually anything approved is, is a nightmare. Um, and then up in Swansea, we've got uh, five HMO projects on the go which be a total of 47 rooms um wow that is a lot at one time isn't <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> yeah yeah so so all of them bar one one we purchased with planning permission um and all the others we've achieved planning permission by it's kind of the thing it's the what i do like that about wales the fact that the the pd right well the, a the pd rights are removed and in a lot of cases and uh you know basically the whole country's article four so you can't just go in go oh i've, I've bought a three-bed house for peanuts i'm just going to turn it into a you know a nine-bed hmo you know you have to go through planning um, and i quite like that because it means that the, there's not a great deal of competition because it's having to play, take those planning punts and although they're punts they are calculated you know we've got a great um a planning consultant jason evans who we work with who's fantastic um you know so we can run everything past him we do plenty of homework on the area and and um you know precedence is set on the road and things like that so it's not it's not a blind let's just have a bash at this uh, it's very calculated and so far we've we've had great success I, I think that really just goes to show actually how there's two things that spring to mind as you're talking. One of them is that doing your due diligence and doing your, your you know, you sound to me as being a fairly methodical kind of person who works through what the barriers to entry could be and figures out that actually if something's got a higher barrier to entry, it could 
serve you well if you're the one who's prepared to put in the work and do the due diligence and make sure you've got your professional team on board. And I, I see people making that mistake a lot is sort of jumping into HMOs without having done that homework. Yeah. Um, and what you're saying is that actually there's been a benefit to you in, in investing somewhere where there are more barriers to entry because it's meant you've had to become more methodical and more uh, determined, if you like, to make sure that what you're doing is going to reap rewards rather than just pick a property, any property. Oh, look, there's mm. one on right move. I'll go and buy yeah, that yeah. and turn it into an HMO. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the, the other benefit there is, you see, because you've you're working within strict rules of the Article 4s, you know you're not going to be uh, achieving planning for an HMO, say in a road where the whole road is HMO because there's no Article 4 and the whole market is saturated. Uh, yes, there are a lot of HMOs in Swansea, um, but, you know, the sort of target market we're looking at, we don't feel like there's a massive amount of competition. And the properties we go for, uh, there is also not a lot of competition because they're either you know, they've either got commercial elements or they're a commercial property, which is automatically a lot of people just run for the hills as soon as you, you know, as soon as it's not a conventional house, they're gone. Um, so we, we operate kind of in a in a band where there's very little competition. Um, like I say, that the risk is higher, but it allows us to get these properties at great prices and, and achieve massive uplift. So what's, what kind of room rents are you getting in Swansea? What's the sort of typical rental? Uh, well, it depends really. Sort of looking at four, four hundred, four fifty maximum if there's non on a non ensuite, so shared bathroom. Um, and then, you know, the sort of level we're looking for, it's kind of four nine five to five twenty uh, for a high end room with an ensuite. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. And what kind of prices are you able to get the properties for? Uh, well. <laughs> It, it really depends. So um, the one, so we bought the one uh, next to the train station. It's about 40 meters from the train station. I put a video up on it on a, on a few of the groups uh, a few days ago. Um, we bought two semi-detached properties. So we bought both of them and it had a commercial element in one of them. Uh, we bought those for 160,000 for the two, uh, 40 meters from the central train station um, and right next to the new 750 apart um room student block uh, that they're still building uh, so we've bought that for 160 we're going to spend 60 on it um, and then having spoken to our surveyor that we work with already uh, we're going to be looking at 380 to 400 gdv when finished so we're you know with two 220 all in with you know fees and everything like that and then right. final value sort of 380. So obviously with a model like that, which really more or less allows you to re recycle your money, doesn't it? You're, you know, you're valuing up sufficiently enough to be able to pull out your initial investment. Yeah. Has this meant that you've mostly invested with your own money? Yeah. Up, up, well, for the last seven years, up until now, we, we've done it all with our own money. Um, I, I just think mainly because, you know, you, you kind of want to prove to yourself, well, I wanted to prove to myself before using other people's money that we could do it. Um, so, yeah, re really, that's what, you know, up until now, it's all been our own cash we've done it with. But you've, you've reached a point now where you're looking at maybe working with investors or starting to raise money from investors. Is that right? Yeah, only because uh, dealing with um, lenders is a full time job on its own now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when when you're when you're trying to do 
five, five refinances and two development loans all at the same time, it, it is a full-time job dealing with lenders and solicitors. And it's absolutely insane. Luckily, uh, my other partner in the company we're doing the, the HMOs with, um, Anthony, he deals with all of that because I, I haven't got time to do that, deal with planning, do everything in the middle. And then, you know, Martin deals with everything on site and is, is the boots on the ground. Um, but it's, yeah, it is literally, so it's literally a three man job just to do what we're doing at the moment <laughs> and full time as well. <laughs> and, and, you know, actually that's a really interesting comment because I think probably over this last six months, we've seen changes in the mortgage market. We've seen changes to the products that people can get. But I think we're also seeing the commercial market becoming more of a reflection of the uh, the standard buy-to-let market, which is really highly regulated. You know, now, mm. a year ago, you could get a commercial mortgage without too much fuss. It was time-consuming, but it wasn't a full-time job. But I think what we're seeing now is commercial lenders becoming much more uh, sort of assiduous and much more picky about the information that they want from you. You know, mm. they literally want your inside leg measurement before they'll yeah. give you a decision in principle They've so asked that before. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> at least that's one you know shouldn't change too much yeah <laughs> unless unless you're like my 12 year old son and shooting up <laughs> he's growing like a beanpole <laughs> uh, but yeah i think i think that can sometimes also be something that people are um you know, it's a bit of a shock, I think, to suddenly start going down that process of finance and, and find that even bridging finance can take quite a number of weeks to, to get over the line. Mm. Uh, and that's, as you say, that's where private finance is so much more flexible. It doesn't go on your credit rating. You know, it's, it's all about building the relationship. Uh, and, of course, you know, savers at the moment are getting, what, 0.1% yeah. return in the bank if they're lucky. Yeah. Well, my father-in-law has just been charged 50 quid for having his, his savings in his account because his, his bank's gone into negative. So um, he's definitely not happy. No, absolutely. And, and I think this is where, you know, savers and people who are investing in have got cash to invest. They're, they're a really ripe uh, kind of business partner, potentially, because those are the people who don't know what you know. They can't do what you can do, but you can get a really good return on their investment for implementing your knowledge and skills and then helping them to get a good return as well. So everybody wins, which is always the the, the, the ideal solution, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my issue, you know, going back to bridging finance and things like that is my issue with a lot of those guys, which you don't get with investors is uh, every time you go back to them, even though you're a repeat customer, they they act like they they never dealt with you before. It all resets every time because just like oh, it's me again. Yeah, you know we paid your loan back last month. Well, can we just get another? Oh, we need your name and a co copy of driving license. Like yeah, but we've dealt with you four times in the last like you know eighteen months. You must sort of have an idea of who we are now. And it's that whole computer says no, and it just absolutely does my head in. Whereas if you can find a uh, an investor to work with where you can kind of, you know, keep going on with projects. You've got a great, uh, you know, relationship with each other. It's so much more healthy than this kind of stonewalling that you get with these um, lenders all the time. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And it, it makes involvement in property much harder if you're always relying on outside funding, <clears throat> excuse me, from a bank. Whereas if you have 
relationships with other people who've got cash to to lend to you and because of what you're doing in terms of your process you, you can return that cash to them at the end of the project mostly what we find with our investors is they just say no i don't want the money back here you can have it again because yeah. why would i want to put it back in the bank again when i can get a better return from you guys <clears throat> so it just makes sense to, to go down that route um now james just want to ask you about your team so it sounds like you've got a couple of business partners that you're working with right now is that is that correct yeah, so um, Anthony is a co-investor. Myself and Anthony are kind of putting the money in to make everything at the moment we've got going happen. Um, Anthony's dealing with the, um, you know, the lending side of things. I, I'm dealing with the, I, I find the opportunities, add the value, work on the design, deal with all the planning side of it. Um, and then Martin has the teams on the ground. I mean, you know, they're running sort of 10 refurbs at the moment and their team of sort of 25, 25. Uh, you know, not all guys, girls and guys, because they've got, you know, um, great, Mixture. great team of decorator girls and stuff. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But there's 25 people working. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's too much for one person to do. And what, what advice would you give to somebody else who's, who's maybe just starting off or perhaps doesn't have the, the number of projects that you've got going on simultaneously, but maybe looking to get to that point of doing simultaneous projects? What advice might you give to them based on your experience? uh well de definitely just start with one don't don't try and take two even even though like especially at the moment if you can find a good deal it's very tempting to think oh i could stretch myself to do two at the same time uh, So yeah def definitely do one and test your model um and test where you are um yeah i just i just think keep going over the numbers i mean i just run numbers all day long in my head on my on my phone on the computer like making sure everything I'm a real numbery kind of person, so um, to me, it's it's really doing that due diligence and and never cheating a deal to make it fit by thinking like, oh, you know, if the bills if the bills were a hundred quid less, this, you know, I could make it, I could make that. But it's you're always trying to cheat the numbers to make the deal fit you, so you're becoming a motivated buyer rather rather than having you know just thinking, well, I'll wait till the right thing comes along. You're becoming too motivated, and then you can do something you can do something silly. If, so, so actually, that's a really an interesting point. You're, you're, so you're talking there about um, being very knowledgeable about your numbers as well and being savvy about your numbers and uh, making sure that you've got absolutely everything on that spreadsheet or on that list that you have to calculate to see whether this is really a good deal or not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's better to... to do worst case scenarios and be pleasantly surprised by bonuses than it is to be like oh crap you know i've put i've put 50 grand into this deal and i'm making like a couple hundred quid a month or something you know it's you, you'd be far more upset and and that goes back to the me having you know screwing up a bit at the beginning is is you you then become very um serious about that side of it and you because you're never going to make that mistake again so you're ve you're very hot on it and how do you make sure that your numbers are correct? Uh, well, lots of, well, in terms of running costs and things like that, it's, you know, we, we've got other properties which we can compare against, but you can go on your spare rooms and everything like that to find out, like, you know, the property, you know what level you're going to finish it at. And if you, if you know you're going to, oh, I'm aiming at boutique and I'm aiming at this, you can go on there and you can find within, you know, your area exactly how much all the rooms are going for. It's not just a case of, what they're up for but you can go and see and if, if there's 10 rooms listed and nine of them are all let you know it's going to 
it's it's working at that price it's no good if you go on there's 10 rooms and, and none of them are let and they're all trying because you know the price is too high but if most of them are let you go you can go well we can hit that target market it's only two minutes down the road uh and then working backwards from there really um, and what about having um, a team of other people that you're working with in terms of, so you mentioned you, one of your business partners does the dealing with the mortgage companies. <laughs> Happy days for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's a numbers guy. He loves it. He, he deals spreadsheets all day. I, like, I, I swear that's what he sees when he shuts his eyes. <laughs> for me, he picks short straw. So having somebody on your team or, or, or somebody who you're connected with who can help with that if you're if you're not a numbers person uh you, you need to have somebody don't you who's good at that who can maybe help you really analyze those figures line by line uh, one of the things that i've learned is that you know you might get a property at the right price you might know what the end market is going to be you might be able to even have a, a valuation at the end but if you don't get the price right on the refurb the refurb goes over budget that can really cost you a lot in terms of scraping that back in the future because a couple of times that's happened to me where we've gone over not only just over time but over, also over budget on the refurb yeah. um, that, that's obviously happened to you in your early days with with your flips possibly have, have you ever had that experience or again what advice would you give to somebody who is maybe nervous that that could happen to them um I think really you've got to speak to people who do it day in, day out. So whether it's builders, um, you know, or going on, going, you know, these groups on Facebook and stuff are so the information you can get. If you just put something out there, if you just say like, you know, guys, I, I need to put five on suites in. How much is it generally costing you to do an on suite at the moment? And you'll get a list of people just saying, well, we're doing it for this. We're doing it for this. If you just take a mean of all of those, you'll get a rough idea. Um, but I think it's important to definitely speak to people who do it. I mean, the reason we're so so close on the budgets now is because, you know, Martin and his guy, I mean, they've done dozens and dozens and dozens of these refurbs. So we just know straight away he can he literally just walk in and go, yeah, that much, that much, that much. And it will come in within 500 quid of like, you know, 40 grand budget will come in 500 pounds sort of thing within that because he just does it day in, day out. And it, I yes. think that, you know, that that i mean not even i now can do that you see i can design it and i can get it all approved and i can you know get that but it's, it's up to him then to bring it in on the budget that we've agreed well that's great i think so so the key really is here getting getting started learning accepting you might make some mistakes in the early days but that's part of the process of learning and then utilizing that experience to feed into doing it again and again and again and, and perhaps becoming a little bit more sort of almost tweaking it each time. So mm. each time you do it, you're maybe becoming a bit smarter about how you're, you're doing it so that you're, you're saving a bit of money each time or just becoming more accurate with those numbers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's face it, nobody does anything perfect to start with. And, and it, you know, it's always going to be it's kind of one of the things I, I enjoy about it is it's, it's you'll always feel like you're learning. Well, I do anyway. Um, I don't think anyone really feels in this in this industry like, yeah, I've cracked it. That's it. I'll kick back, relax. You know, my model will work forever. I think as soon as you get complacent uh, with anything, I think I think you're just going to get wiped out and, and the, the sort of newer, younger people are going to come in and, and do it a lot better than you. So I think it's important to stay on top of it all. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, mm. Why do you think I invited you onto this show? 
Because <laughs> you're I'm a new younger young. person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that young. I, I, wish I'd, I wish I'd started younger, but um, yeah. Well, don't don't we all? Don't, you know, I've, I've often heard it said to me, particularly over lockdown, a lot of people said, oh, I wish I'd started HMOs a year or two ago because now I wouldn't be in a job that's risky. I might be made, being made redundant. I have, I'd have another stream of income. And, you know, of course, we all regret not starting this sooner because uh, we would all be in a slightly different position if we'd started sooner. But rather than regretting it, far better to say, OK, I'm going to start now. I'm going to start yeah. today and get going today. Um, so just, just thinking about 2021, because we're obviously sort of, you know, mid-November, come very closely into December now. What are your plans and your, your goals for 2021, James? Have you had time to think about that? You're obviously a very busy person, but what does next year hold in store for you? Uh, well, get, getting all these projects over the line uh, early part of next year. Um, we've got like two, well, we're building seven flats as well. So we've got we've got a new build of three flats in one, and then we've got a commercial conversion. There's four flats and a, a large commercial unit downstairs, which we're dis, just discharging the conditions for. So we've got to crack on with that come January, 1st of January, well, <laughs> well, 3rd of January or whatever. You've got to crack on with that. So, we, we you know, we still, it's, it's kind of the pipeline is so, is so long for property nothing's quick is it you know you start you buy something and and really it's like a almost like a 12 month like pipeline window to get that project done um so yeah just cracking on with what we've got going at the moment and and i think next year there'll be some more opportunities i mean i love commercial stuff and i love um commercial to resi conversions and things like that because like i say there's there's way less competition um, and if you're creative, you can you can effectively make money out of nothing if, if you're really, you know, if you get approved the plans you're after, uh, it's fantastic. Yes, we, we've just started working with Kirsty Darkins in, in the mentoring program. Um, we have a commercial specialist who works with us because she invests in commercial property and she's an expert in commercial conversions as well. And we've been looking at some deals with her over the last few weeks. And, you know, you, you suddenly realize actually these deals turn out so much more uh, than if you're just buying a simple residential property. But mm. actually, it's really good to have a portfolio of re simple residential property behind you, whether it's buy to lets or HMOs before you go into that, because it's also riskier. You know, you yeah. can lose a lot of money in commercial as well. So you need to know what you're doing. And I think it's very much, you know, as, as, as a property investor, um, you can do all the different strategies at once if you want to. But actually, sometimes it's better to focus on one strategy, make your money, get that turning over, get that stable, get that working. And then you can start to expand and look at other strategies uh, as you go, which yeah, is, yeah. It sounds, sounds a little bit like your journey. Yeah, there's kind of a tree to property, isn't there? An experienced tree. You kind of start with buy to let, generally just purchase and, and relet, and then you do buy, refurbish, refinance or buy to let, and then you do flips, um, and then you do HMOs, and then you do commercial conversions, and then you do new builds, and then you do massive high rise. You know, that's kind of like <laughs> the tree, the, the experience tree, isn't it? That everyone it kind of climbs up. It is, absolutely, absolutely. And, and actually, that gives you a solid property business doing it like that gives you solid income it gives you stable wealth for the future it gives you a really good foundation to build on and and it, and i think that when you go into property as you said it takes time and i think there's there's got to be an element of commitment there you've obviously decided at some point right i'm committed to this i'm going to make it happen and i think there is that mental decision that you have to go through at some point where you go 
right, I'm at a crossroads. Am I going to do this or am I not? And we all get asked that question internally at some point. And you've said yes, I've said yes. And, you know, obviously thousands of other people have said yes. But I know there will be some people watching this who are still sitting on the fence and thinking, should I, shouldn't I? Um, mm. So to those people, what, what would you say to them? Uh, I, I would say analysis paralysis kills dreams. Like, you know, you can, you can kind of... Um, I mean, I, I'm guilty of it, of things in the past, and, and then opportunities get away, and you always just kind of regret like the opportunities that get away. So, I mean, I would definitely, you know, do the education and, and learn as much as you can, and like I say, just surround yourself in everything. I mean, I'm very boring. I'll, I'll, I'll when I watch TV, I just screencast like you know property videos from YouTube onto the TV and stuff. It's just that constant kind of making it your world and, and once you do you feel, feel a lot more comfortable uh, in the whole process great well this will be uh, on youtube by the end of the week so you too can be a youtube star james <laughs> fantastic <laughs> <laughs> you made it now haven't you <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wait for my gold plaque to come in from youtube with million yes, subscribers right. <laughs> <laughs> well listen uh, it's been absolutely great to have you on today thank you so much for sharing your knowledge your time your experience your journey it's it's always so interesting to find out how people started and what their challenges were and some of the things that they kind of experienced and learned along the way. So really, really, you know, massive gratitude to me, uh, to you today, James. Thank you for being here. Um, what I would say is that if anybody's watching today and they've got some questions for James, please put them below the video. And uh, James is part of the group, so it'd be great for you to share your progress. We'd love to see some updates on your projects and how they're coming on. And, uh, you know, any any updates on the market. You know, it's great to hear what people are doing across the UK with regard to HMOs. Wonderful, great. Thank you very much for having me, Wendy. You're very welcome, James. Thank you very much indeed. And I look forward to speaking to everybody very, very soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to the HMO Success Podcast. If you'd like to know more about how you can create a profitable HMO business, please visit our website, hmosuccess.co.uk, to find out more. We have plenty of free tools and information for you there, and also on our Facebook group, The Ultimate HMO Success System. We look forward to connecting with you very soon. Thanks for listening.